All right, well, welcome everyone. So glad that you've joined me tonight. It's a very special night. I'm going to be teaching on a topic that I'm super excited and fired up about. And I want to right off the bat say welcome to my son and my daughter, Zion, and Cadence Bendette, and my wife, Amber, who are watching from home right now. Uh, my wife sent me a little picture of the kids dancing, and they're excited for communion. As you can see, I've got my communion elements up here right now. And so uh, thank you for tuning in. And because I know my kids want to receive communion before they go to bed, that means I'm going to have to move quickly through the message tonight. So uh, first, I want to say to all of you that I hope you're staying strong and that you're keeping your faith uh, and that you're highly encouraged in the midst of this time. I know that there's a lot of discouragement and frustration that's taking place with what's happening with the economy. I also know that there's a lot of people that are really going through a difficult time right now, especially with their finances and the uncertainty of the future. One of the things that I want to say quickly and right off the bat is my prayer for you is that you would actually be maturing and growing stronger in the Lord. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus during this time. Don't allow yourself to get distracted with conspiracy theories and the frustrations and the struggles and the things of this world. Yes, they're frustrating. Yes, we think things should be different. Yes, I want the economy to be opened up like now. But I also know that if I allow these roots of frustration to continue to fester inside of me, I'm going to get extremely discouraged. But when I keep my eyes on Jesus and I keep my eyes on the Lord and I pray and I trust and I actually pray for the people that maybe I might be the most frustrated with, God will actually move and fight on our behalf. So my first word for you is pray for our politicians, pray for our president, pray for our governors, and pray for the people that are making the decisions for our nation, that God would intervene, turn their hearts, and that they would be spirit-led in every decision that they make. And uh, for you, remember, we fight the good fight of faith. It's a fight, but it's designed to be a good fight. And so hang in there and stay strong. And if you need help, please reach out to our church and we'll do whatever we can to help you. I also want to encourage you, if you have the means and the ability during this time, to support us financially. This is the sacrifice time. I came up a few days ago and dropped a check off to the church. It was a step of faith for my wife and I. But we know in times like this, it's a great opportunity for us to really demonstrate where our hope and our life and our heart is. And I can't sit here and ask people to support and give when I don't give myself, which I've always been a giver. And so I want to challenge you guys to give. There's three ways that you can give. You can give on our website, which is rockcitycorpus.com. You can also give right now via your smartphone by texting 77977 and type in Rock City Corpus in all caps, and you can set up text to give. Or you can also come by our church office. We're here six days a week. Or you can mail a check to 10309 South Padre Island Drive in Corpus Christi, Texas, 78418. And so I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your finances. I'm praying for our economy. I'm praying for our president. I'm praying for our governors. I'm praying for our mayor, city council, county judges. Uh, stay in prayer. You've got to be praying for all those that are in leadership. Pray for your family. Pray for your heart. And uh, trust the Lord. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I promise you, I've said it from day one, we're going to mature through this. We're going to get freer through this. And we're going to come out stronger through this. I believe it. All right? So let's dive into communion and let's pray. Jesus, thank you for everyone that's watching right now. Thank you for our church family that is at home with their family. Thank you, Lord God, for all those that are 
dialed in and ready for the more that you have in store for their lives. And I pray that the words that I speak tonight would strengthen them, comfort them, and encourage them. And as we receive communion together, that, Lord, their hearts would be full as we remember what you did, who you are, and we give our lives for one another. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So right now, I do want to encourage you to get some juice, get a cracker. I've got a couple soup crackers up here. I brought my little chalice from home. My, from Israel, and uh, it's a little tarnished, as you can see. It needs to be cleaned up. It's been a while since I've used it, but hey, it's going to work just fine tonight. So here in just a minute, we're going to take communion together. So I want to do a quick teaching for you. This will not be my exhaustive teaching on communion. I can already hear my wife say, oh, thank God. And so <laughs> we are going to browse through some scriptures together, and I'm going to set this up for you. I'll move quickly. I'll do, I do a lot of teachings on communion. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Let me set the stage for you for communion. When Jesus instituted the, or when Jesus had the Last Supper, which actually, actually was six days ago, believe it or not, the night before he was crucified, he celebrated one final meal, and it's known as the Last Supper. But it was from the Last Supper that the Lord instituted what we know as the Lord's Supper. Now, the Lord's Supper is also called the Eucharist, and it's what we know in modern-day churches as communion. But the way that we do communion today, even these crackers and this cup, that was not the way communion was originally designed by Jesus or the way that the early church celebrated it. In the early church, the Lord's Supper and another feast known as an agape feast were celebrated together, also known as a love feast. Now, not a love feast in the way you might think the Roman church would have one, but a love feast with the term specifically used agape. Agape is the highest form of love. Agape is the most self-sacrificing, lay our lives down with no expectation of return kind of love. It's a love that says, I'm going to give to you no matter what you do, no matter how you reciprocate, no matter how you give back, whether you give back or not, it's the highest form of love. And that's what Jesus demonstrated at the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. And so the Lord's Supper actually turned into what we know as, or what the early church knew as, an agape feast, also known as the Lord's Supper. And so these feasts were designed for a lot of different things. One of the things that they were designed for was a time to reconcile differences. It was a time for us to lay down any schisms we might have in our family or with our friends or with other congregations and churches. It was a time for us to truly become one and to bring forgiveness into our lives just the way that Jesus did. It was a time to give ourselves to one another in helping other people with their needs to provide meals and food. And so the agape feast really became a time of unity, celebration, remembering what Jesus did at the when he gave his life on the cross and also instituted at the Last Supper, but also a time to give away to other people that didn't have, that were hungry and thirsty and especially needed to know Jesus the way that we did. So it was a meal, but it was also an outreach. It was a time to represent Jesus to the community. And so they were called Agape Feasts. You can look them up in Wikipedia. And so it wasn't until about 250 A.D., that the churches started to become more divisive 
They, we started to see more denominational type things happening in churches, different belief systems and doctrinal mindsets. And so it was about that time that churches started to take the, the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist on their own and instituted all these different ways that you had to do it. Fast forward to modern day, there are many denominations and churches today where you can't even receive the cup or take a, take a bite of the bread or the cracker if you aren't a member of that church. And there's all these adherences and all these doctrinal expectations that if you're going to receive communion, you have to be a member of the church. What I want to tell you right now is that is not the way that the Lord designed it and intended things to be. That's not the way that the early agape feasts were designed to be. When the apostle Paul and Jude talked about the Lord's Supper. And so really what I want to talk to you about today is what communion is and what it isn't. All right? I want you to understand that we're going to receive, we're going to drink the cup, we're going to eat the cracker, my kids are going to do it at home, but really what it was designed to be was a time of celebration, remembrance, forgiveness, and giving of ourselves to one another. And so I'm going to show you that quickly. We're going to browse through a bank of scriptures, and uh, you guys just be patient because I know I'm on a timeline. So I'm going to move quickly for you, and I'm going to give you some awesome words as we, before we receive communion together, all right? So Let's start off with 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 16. 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen, And I do want to give a shout out, by the way, to all my media team, uh, my cameraman, everybody in the booth. I have the most awesome team that's working and serving, pulling up scriptures, dialing in the cameras. And uh, so I just want to say thank you to all my, my media team that's serving and working hard right now. Thank you guys so much, uh, Keith and Susan and uh, Levi and just everybody that's working hard. And uh, my one sole teenager that's hanging out over here, Catherine, she's my, my cheer squad over here. So um, verse 16, 1 Corinthians eleven sixteen. here we go. If anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. I firmly believe that the church needs to stop being so divisive and contentious with one another. I get it. There's a lot of doctrinal differences. I'm a spirit-filled guy. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues. But I also hang out with a lot of pastors that don't. And I feel like those are minor issues that should never be divisive among churches. We got to focus on the, on the main thing. And who's the main thing? His name is Jesus. And it's the preeminence and lordship of Christ that we focus on. And there's some other basic doctrinal tenets that we have to agree upon, which we do. But there's a lot of things we need to stop allowing ourselves to be divisive on. And what I think is the greatest divisive issue in the church today is not so much doctrinal differences, but rather pastors and ministers and churches vying and competing and desiring to... Uh, be recognized and to be put first before someone else. And so, you know, nobody belongs to any one church. Everybody belongs to Jesus. And there is only one church. But God has local churches for reasons. There's a reasons, reason why there's hundreds of churches in our city. So no one man can get the glory. There's a lot of expressions. There's lots of neighborhoods. There's lots of styles. There's lots of tribes. And so you got to find your tribe and stay connected and stop being contentious and divisive. Whoa getting myself a little too fired up. I almost knocked over my cup. All right, so I'm getting myself fired up. You better be getting fired up right now. You hear that, Zion and Cadence? I can't see you, but I can feel you. All right, so 
Let's go to verse 17. Now, in giving these instructions, I don't praise you since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. So when people would actually come together, they're coming together for the worse. Have you ever been a part of religious circles or even churches of your past that actually when you came together, you left worse than when you came? I have. And I think that we're on a mission to change that and God is shifting his church to change that. Let's talk about why would people actually come together for the worse than for the better. First of all, verse 18, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you and in part, I believe it. What are divisions? Divisions, the Greek word for divisions is schism. It literally means a rent, a split, a gap, a division, a dissension. And it's caused by strong differences of opinion and opposition of beliefs to one another. Does that sound like so much of the modern day church? Yes, but God's changing it. Mark my words, he's changing it. And so we've got to get rid of divisions in the church. If we come together with divisions... Gossip, backstabbing, competing, dissension, and literally uh, having these strong oppositions against each other, they don't benefit and build the church. They only divide the church, and the world is watching. And when the world sees God's house divided, why would they want to join it, right? And so he says that there has to be divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. Verse 19, for there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So what's a faction? A faction is a heresy. It, literally, the word for faction in the Greek is a heresy. It's a body of men following their own tenets, leading to dissensions of their own opinions or aims. So if I have my own motive, if I have my own opinion, and I'm so entrenched in these motives and opinions that are not of the Lord, it literally leads to a faction, it literally leads to a heresy. It means that I, all I care about is myself. It's all about me. It's all who I can gather myself. How much money can I get? It's all about nickels and noses and growing churches. And God's putting an end to that. It's not about nickels and noses and success is not measured by how many people sit in his chair at your church. In fact, everybody's got about the same size of church right now. And so the importance for us to know and understand is that factions and divisions where people are following their own intentions, own motivations, is what's jacked up with modern day religion. If you've never had the language or the word of why you have many people had so many issues towards religion, it's because people are following their own tenets. They're, they're basically heretic in that it's their own opinions. It's not spirit-led. It's not the Lord. And they're not really out for unity. Everything has to come back to unity. We can still be have differences, even in our own church, we have lots of differences, but we're united by the Holy Spirit. It's not about uniformity to a pastor. It's about unity to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You better never forget that. That's one of the greatest things that I could teach any of you right now. And so the Apostle Paul says, there are factions among you and there are divisions among you. And basically it comes down to the fact that People long to be recognized. And so you're going to see here in a moment that people are getting the best seats at the table. They're eating all the food before everyone else. People are getting drunk. And what was happening was this love feast turned into a selfish feast. What happened was now, instead of representing Christ in the streets, it was party time, all in the name of Jesus. And that's jacked up and dysfunctional. And you'll see here that that was happening in the early church, right? And so... 
To be recognized means I need to be known. And the reality is, is you don't need to be known. You need to take the low road. You need to decrease so that he can increase. If you're trying to make yourself known, mark my words, you will only get the praise of man and not the praise of God. We don't have to make ourselves famous. In fact, when Jesus started to become famous, what did he do? He retreated to the highways and the byways. People were flocking after him for his healing ministry. They wanted him to have crusades. And he said, I'm checking out to the wilderness. Because it's not about fame and notoriety. And Jesus would be famous enough when he died on the cross. You want to really be famous? Just die now. I'll give you the best advice you could ever have. Everything about communion is just die now. In case you've forgotten. Jesus says, take and eat. Broken body. Take and drink. Shed blood. Do this in remembrance of me. It's time to die now. That's what communion, a big part of communion. But it's not the only thing, but a big part of it. All right? So look at verse 20. Therefore... Because those things, when you come together in one place, it is, is, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, he's saying you're not actually taking the Lord's Supper. He's talking about the early church and what they were actually doing was not what the Lord designed. And so he says in eating, one takes his own supper ahead of others. One's hungry and another's drunk. So people are drinking, partying, public outreach, public... Uh, Love feast designed to impact people's lives, designed to represent Jesus, healing, forgiveness. And I don't know, maybe I guess some people needed to drink more in order to forgive. That was never the way it was supposed to be. Verse 22, Paul says, what? You see it right there. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? What I think this is so cool is you're actually in your house right now. Yeah. This is the coolest communion I've ever done. You're actually in your homes where you can eat and drink and celebrate. And you don't have to worry about what everybody in the world and, the out, and all the outreach stuff has to, do, has to say. You actually get to do it in your home. But now's the time for you to get healthy and understand what it really is. So let's look at it. Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? So here's what would happen. And Paul would say this here in a minute, that people would actually leave worse than when they came. Why? Because the notoriety ones, the men of God ones, had the best table, recognition, factions, divisions, and the lowly old peasant congregant would not have food while the, the bigwigs were eating the best food and drinking the best wine. That will slay religious ideologies in people's lives because it was never designed to be that. Remember, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. So we serve one another, we're laying our lives, and that's what the agape feast was supposed to be. And so he's like, what should I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? Heck no. He doesn't say heck no, but that's Texas talk. He says, heck no, I don't praise you. And so you've got to understand that when people are being despised, it puts them into shame, and it literally makes them for the worse, not for the better. So verse 23 Paul says, now he brings it into context. I want you to see this. He says, it's jacked up. Your agape feasts are jacked up. You're not doing it in the right way. You want to represent Jesus, but you're not. So here's the right way to do it. You ready? This is awesome. Verse 20. Therefore, I'm sorry, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. I want you to notice the Apostle Paul says, I received that which I delivered to you. Let me ask you a question. Was the Apostle Paul at the Last Supper? 
No. He, in fact, he was a murderer of Christians and got rocked by the Holy Spirit. But now he had an encounter, and now he's saying, what Jesus has done for me, what I have received, I'm giving to you. Everybody say this with me. You know what I'm about to say. First he does it in you, then he does it through you. You can't have a through you until you have an in you. You can't give away what you don't have. And so the Apostle Paul saying, I, what I received, I'm giving to you. Now, check this out. What I, David Vendetta, has received, I'm giving to you. Now, where does it go from there? What you received, you give it away to somebody else. And so he says that on the same night, he brings it into context. Remember what Jesus did. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, and as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So what's he saying? I'm going to paraphrase all that for you. If you really want to know what communion's about, what the love feast or the last supper or the Lord's supper is supposed to be about, it's remembering what did Jesus do. The, on the night he was betrayed, he gave himself away. Forgiveness, mercy. He literally broke himself open and said, here, take and eat. So real communion is breaking yourself open and giving yourself away to other people even when you're being betrayed and you're hurting or in pain or have unforgiveness in your life. You got to forgive, you got to let go of it, and you got to say, Lord, I give thanks to you for all you've done. Have mercy on my life. Forgive me and help me to forgive others. And now I'm going to give myself away in true agape love, no matter what somebody else has done to me. This is an ultimate sign of maturity for a Christian to be able to love like this. And so he's saying, here's what real agape feasts look like. Here's what real communion looks like. Remember what Jesus did. As often as I do it, I'm proclaiming his death. How? By dying myself. When I die, literally to me, and give myself away to somebody else, what's that a picture of? What Jesus did on the cross. How do I proclaim the Lord's death? Not just shouting it all the time. Jesus died and he's coming again and shouting it from the rooftops. That's not what it is. It's by living my life crucified with Christ and giving myself away freely in passionate love to everybody that's around me. Are you getting it right now? Well, I hope so. And so, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Look at verse 27. Examine, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What does that mean, to be guilty? It means that if I'm doing it, what's an unworthy manner? It's all about me, self, party time, drinking, not recognizing what Jesus really did and making it about giving it away to somebody else. Not actually doing the Lord's Supper and having communion in the right way. And so he says, verse 28, here's your answer. You better check yourself. Let, him, let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. To be examined literally means to test prove and scrutinize to see whether a thing is genuine or not to recognize genuineness after examination to approve and deem worthy and what makes me worthy the blood of Jesus and it means I'm examining my heart in authenticity what the Lord wants really is authenticity what the Lord wants is sincerity and truth in your life and so sincerity and truth is hey 
You may have sin in your life. You may be struggling with addiction, hurts, pains. Guess what? You can receive communion tonight. Because the deceptive lie is that, oh, you're so jacked up and you got all these issues in your life, so therefore you can't come. Which is why many churches instituted membership so that they could measure your life. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus, Jesus beckoned everyone to come to the table. Now, should you be reckless? No. What you have to have in your heart is a yes to the Lord and a no to sin. I don't want to live that way anymore. So I'm coming to the body, I'm coming to the blood, and I'm receiving the inauguration of the new covenant in my heart and my life to help me, aid me, and heal me from living the way that I've been living. That's what it's really about. This table is open for you. But you've got to come with sincerity and truth. That's why he says, examine yourself and don't come in an unworthy manner. Verse 30, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. What does that mean? It means literally that if I'm not checking myself, not only do I wreck me, but I wreck others. I'm not discerning the body of Christ, which is people. So if I make it about me and recognition and factions and dissension and contention, if I, if I became that guy, what would I do? I'd Actually, people would become sick weak and could die in my midst because I'm not loving the way that Jesus loved. Woo! You got to catch that. It's a powerful, powerful word. And so he says, verse 31, if we would judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. Let me ask you a question. If I correct myself, do I need to be corrected by the Lord? No. And the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing you into correction. But what happens when you don't make the correction? When you're judged by the, or chastened by the Lord, when you get a spiritual spanking from the Lord, it really hurts. But ultimately, it's designed to not let you fall into the con condemnation of the world. It's the pruning that God brings into your life. It's God literally readjusting you, chastening you, and correcting you. But I want to say to you, you can get it together right now. You can correct yourself now. You can check yourself before you wreck yourself now. And so, verse 33, when you come together to eat, let's wait for one another. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I'll set in order when I come. So what he's saying is, to the leaders, it's like, look, when you come to eat, don't make this about you. When we've had uh, big outreaches in the parking lot and huge Thanksgiving feasts, or we have uh, uh, events here in the church with food, I never have to be the one to go first, and I don't have to have the best seat at the table. I'm here to serve and love, and I'm here to make sure everybody's well taken care of and fed. Now, if I got Zion and Cadence in meltdown mode and my wife's saying it's time to roll, guess where I'm at? I'm at the front of the line. But I'm not at the front of the line because I'm the man of God, and I have to have this special place. And I know that'll slay some religious people, and I might make somebody mad with that, but it is what it is. I love the pastors of this city, and I love my city, and I want to see unity amongst the churches. Not everybody's going to do it the same way. I'm just telling you how I do it. All right, you guys ready? So we're going to receive these elements, and at the end of the day, what I want you to know is this, these crackers, whoops, Fortunately, I had two. The, this cracker and this juice is a remembrance of what Jesus did. But when you drink it right now with your family, gather your family up together, get in a circle, look each other in the eyes. And I want you to uh, agree with me as I pray for you because it's really a giving away of yourself to your family and to the body of Christ all over the world. We're gonna be like Jesus, all right? Communion's being like Jesus. That's really what communion is. So who's ready to just die now? All right, I heard you. So here we go. Let's pray. Grab your, grab your cracker, your bread first. Jesus, 
Thank you that you broke your life on that cross. Your body was broken for my life. Now, Lord, show me how to break my life open for others just as you did. I remember what you did on that cross, Lord. And now, Lord, as I eat this bread, I'm declaring that everything you did, your, the healing power of your blood is available for me and through me. I thank you, God, that the healing power of your life and your liberty and your spirit is in me so that it can be through me. And I thank you, God, for healing me, strengthening me, forgiving me, and causing me to lay my life down so I could live the life you live now. I eat this cracker of bread in remembrance of what you did, and I pray, Lord, that I will not live the same and that I would give my life away to everyone I encounter just as you did. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now we're going to drink the cup. This cup is a remembrance of the blood that was shed by Christ on the cross. I just did a whole teaching on the blood a few weeks ago. You should go watch it. And basically, his blood was shed for the remission of sins. Remission, healing, washed away by the blood, forgiven. If you need some forgiveness now from your past, if you've been jacking up and making all kinds of bad decisions and choices, you got a chance now to wash it away. Stay under the blood. Tell the Lord right now, I don't want it. I don't want to live that way anymore. And Lord, I want to walk in the newness of life and I want to give away the freedom that you've given to me by your blood. Thank you that you've covered me from the spirit of death and the destroyer. And now your blood is on my life, on my heart, on my mind. And I thank you, God, that I can walk uh, not in the spirit of law of the spirit of law, the spirit of sin and death, but the spirit of life and liberty and freedom. So grab the cup, take a look at it, meditate on it for a minute, the blood of Jesus washing your mind and your heart, and how Jesus literally was split open and shed his blood and gave life for us. And now, Lord, as we drink this, may we be able to give life to everyone we encounter. Heal us, Jesus, by your blood right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Woo! Well, I hope you guys are fired up at home. I hope you enjoyed your time of communion. I hope this teaching inspired you. Now, this isn't a one-time event. This isn't something you do once a month. This isn't something I need to lead you through every now and then. You know what real communion is? Sit down with friends and family, break bread, and remember Jesus. Invest into people's lives. Stop walking in bitterness and unforgiveness. Time is too short. Churches can't be divided now. Churches have to work together. So with that, I want to remind you guys that tomorrow at 3 o'clock, we'll be having a citywide pastor's prayer event on Facebook Live with the Corpus Christi Pastors Council tomorrow at 3 o'clock. And it's pastors coming together to pray. All different denominations, all different walks. Presbyterian, uh, Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopal. We're all Baptist, non-denominational, Pentecostal. So pray with us tomorrow. Learn this word, live it, love it, and bring healing and freedom to people's lives. And I'm going to pray for you before we go, but I want to remind you guys how you can give. Please support us if you can financially. There's three ways to give. You can give on our website, text to give 77977, or stop by the church anytime. I love you guys. I'm praying for you. Let's pray right now before we end. Father, thank you so much for your life and your power and your love and your freedom and your joy that was given through your blood and your body that was broken. Thank you, Lord God, that we are having an in-us experience so that we can have a through-us experience.
I declare every one of you are going to come out of this stronger and better than you ever were before. And that we're going to look back and we're going to see the kindness and the mercy and the grace of the Lord in the midst of lots of rest time and lots of time of keeping our eyes on Jesus. I break the distractions and the fear of this world and this world system. And I declare, get your eyes on Jesus right now. And I thank you, Lord God, for true communion and that when we come out of this, we're going to hug, love, and pray and lay hands on each other in a supernaturally powerful way. I thank you, God, for your peace, your presence, and your power, and I bless everyone tonight with great dreams and supernatural visions. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Woo! All right. Well, I love you guys so much. I pray you have sweet sleep, stay fired up, and get connected with us if there's anything that you need, and I'll be praying for you guys. All right? Have an awesome night. We'll see you guys on tomorrow on our prayer call. And then, uh, by the way, Saturday, Facebook Live with Brad McClendon. Be watching for information on that. Otherwise, I'll see you on Sunday. Have an awesome night.